Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered for Friday, May 10th, 2019, Nation of Islam Minister Louis Farrakhan speaks out about being banned from Facebook and Instagram. We'll tell you exactly what he said last night when he spoke at St. Sabina Catholic Church in Chicago. A Rio Vista, California police officer body slams a woman during a routine traffic stop that is now under investigation. In our American Workers segment, Delta Airlines, what the hell is wrong with them? They put up a poster saying, don't pay your union dues and go buy a video game console? Really? Y'all really put that poster up? Chaos on the Alabama Senate floor as senators debate one of the strictest abortion bans in the country and in Georgia. Hollywood is saying, oh, your new abortion bill? We ain't making no more damn movies in your state. We'll tell you. Uh, who has made that announcement. Also, I talked with the former Tallahassee mayor and gubernatorial candidate Andrew Gillum. We talked about voting. Also, Amendment 4 in Florida and what he is doing to drive at least 1 million new voters to the polls in 2020. Folks, it's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. 
Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's going. Putting it down from sports to news to when Facebook announced the ban of a number of people who they say instigate hate on their platforms, banning them from Facebook and Instagram. One of those folks is Nation of Islam Minister Louis Farrakhan. Uh, after being silent for a week, he spoke last night at St. Sabina Catholic Church in Chicago at the invitation of the church's pastor, Father Michael Flager. And this is what Minister Farrakhan had to say. And here we are today Some of us could not come out tonight because they did not wish to be censured by those who presently have power to censure. But that power is gradually being taken from you. All right, folks, we have an issue with our video playback. So what I'm going to do is we're going to do a, a end around. So I'll work on that in just one second. Uh, but I do want to uh, go to our panel right now uh, to talk about that. But also we'll talk about uh, one of the other, other co-founders of Facebook, Chris Hughes, who says that Facebook has gotten too big. He published an op-ed in the New York Times saying it is time to break up the conglomerate. Our guest, Eugene Craig, CEO, Eugene Craig Organization, Teresa Lundy, founder of TML Communications, Joseph Williams, senior editor, U.S. News and World Report. Joseph, I'll start with you. Uh, lots of drama. First of all, Facebook is preparing for a major fine from the Federal Trade Commission. Some say it could be as high as $5 billion. Uh, they've had privacy issues. They've been, uh, of course, uh, allowing uh, third-party uh, companies to see users' data. Uh, and so on this, on this ban of different individuals who they say incite hate, uh, which includes Alex Jones and others, they're now also having one of the founders saying they have gotten too big uh, and then you have people like Elizabeth Warren and others who are on the road saying, well, on the campaign trail saying that Facebook is too big. Do you believe that with Republicans and Democrats, both of them criticizing Facebook, we're moving towards it actually happening? I think we are because we have both sides doing that. And in, in response to a lot of what has happened, you not only had the, uh, the, the, the sharing of information you, you, the, the, the political uh, shenanigans from 2016, you also had the data breach that happened where not only did Facebook share its data with Cambridge Analytica and some other people, they also had got hacked and users' information was spread far and wide. So I think it is time to break up big tech, but the question is what comes next and how do you do it? 
And the issue, Teresa, we're dealing with is, even when you're talking about what has happened, how Facebook has been such a disruptor, uh, first and foremost, when you look at uh, how they've obliterated the media industry, uh, when you combine the digital dollars of advertising, literally uh, 60 to 70 percent of all digital dollars going to Facebook as well as Google, which owns YouTube, other platforms. Uh, and when you look at just the massive amounts of data they have here, Facebook has not done itself many favors with how they responded to lots of this drama. I think Facebook is responding the way uh, new startup companies are responding, which means for me um, and many others, they're not really taking in uh, context the amount of uh, opportunity that it is um, with other medium outlets. So I don't think they followed the blueprint with Google, uh, with um, YouTube, because a, a lot of YouTube is obviously content creation. Mm -hmm. Same thing Facebook is, but it's also allowing users to now write the blog posts. So what does that mean? They're now taken away from WordPress, right? Which WordPress, that website was essentially established to do blogging. And so what I think, you know, um, outside have, of having a young millennial CEO, is that um, when we encounter some of these, some of these uh, situations that Facebook is having, their response time uh, is one, it's, it's not uh, working for the public at large. It's very directed and it feels like it's being attacked. And I think if they came out um, and actually started to support organizations a little more, they did recently with the Giving um, Tuesday. So Giving Tuesday, nonprofits have the opportunity every uh, Tuesday to um, upload, uh, ask users to upload and, and, and support. But an issue with that is Facebook doesn't recognize a lot of smaller nonprofits. Mm -hmm. They recognize the larger ones. So again, I, I, if I was on the Facebook strategy team, I would probably tell them that they need to invest in more community dialogues and conversations and really start having those focus groups again to see what the people want and how the people can stand with them um, even for further as it relates to controversy that they, they obviously is going to happen. Uh, hopefully, I think we have the video file ready right now. So here's Minister Farrakhan in Chicago. All right, so we don't have the video file. So uh, Eugene, go right ahead, and I'm going to go ahead and try to uh, so the, play it from here. The, the thing is this. What you see on Facebook is what happens when you have a com company that experiences consecutive years of hypergrowth and prioritizes growth over everything. Do I think Facebook needs to be broken up? No. I'm not a proponent of government coming in and, you know, deciding... Uh, how big a company should be. Yeah, we but, through, but, but the reality is we have history already. Look, we, we, look, look, Teddy Roosevelt uh, I was gonna say, uh, we broke up phase. major companies yeah. because they had gotten to the point, point. they were such large monopolies uh, that uh, it, it was the whole uh, trust, uh, you know, all, all yeah, the different trusts. We went to the whole, uh, we have the reason we have antitrust laws today. Um, but when looking at particularly Facebook, I mean, you're seeing Facebook's a unique case where you had a company that experienced hyper growth has been a disruptor and now has become an establishment. Um, the issue, I mean, I think the bigger issue of Facebook is that, you know, they're seeking to, you know, on one end you have, you know, folk that are calling for the breakup. On the other end, you have them sitting down with Facebook lobbyists to write the rules for the rest of the game. I don't think breaking up Facebook is going to fix that particular problem uh, where Facebook has now become essentially the establishment. Um, you know, with, with the, you know. So that's like lobbying 101, though, right? It I is mean, lobbying 101. You know, once you become big enough, then you, you, you write the rules. Help the right rules. I mean, to a degree, you could consider Facebook and Twitter and a lot of the big social platforms banks by a new name. They're instead of coming cash, the new currency is data, and they have the they have it all. Hold tight, one second. So I'm going to go ahead and play this video of Mr. Farrakhan last night. Guys, go ahead. I don't have no army. 
I just know the truth. And I'm here to separate the good Jews from the satanic Jews. Yes, yes, yes! This is just the beginning, banning me from a social platform. I use that platform with respect. I never allowed those who follow me to become vile as those who speak evil of us. So I am dangerous. And here we are today. Some of us could not come out tonight because they did not wish to be censured by those who presently have power to censure. But that power is gradually being taken from you. And I am so grateful to God that he made me an instrument to bring that end of your wicked system of injustice. Jesus said, I give you this day two commandments. And if we focused on those two commandments, we can walk through what's happening with Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and the hatred that is shown toward me. If you could dig into those two commandments, you can overcome the disease of envy that keeps us divided against each other. I have not said one word of hate. I do not hate Jewish people. Not one that is with me has ever committed a crime against the Jewish people, black people, white people, no matter what your color is. As long as you don't attack us, we don't bother you. All right, folks, uh, that uh, was the interview there. It, again, what is interesting here is, is Facebook still has not fully explained how they arrived at that decision to ban individuals. I, I think, look, yes, you can make that call, but it's still worthy of an explanation yeah. so you know what crosses the line. I mean, I, I'll say this. I think with a lot of the other... Or is this like porn in the Supreme Court? You, you know, know it when you is, see it. You see it. Right. Yeah, I think, but I think in this particular case, I think that 
with most of the individuals on that list, like Alex Jones and others, is it's pretty it's kind of cut and dry. Um, when it comes to the Minister Farrakhan, what he's become is a lot of folks go to when they want equilibrium. Um, you know, when uh, you know Senator Scott, you know, wrote his article on uh, the climate of our country. You know, he was you know, he used Minister, Minister Farrakhan for equilibrium, and I think that's what Facebook did here. Um, I mean, has Minister Farrakhan said some anti-Semitic things? Absolutely. Uh, some indefensible things? Absolutely. Um, but if there was a way to scale, um, if there was a way to scale, I think, you know, if I'm looking at a Jacob Worrell or a uh, Alex Jones or uh, some of these other far-right individuals who, you know, are just pure white supremacists in their, you know, in their blood cut and dry, I don't know if I necessarily put them on the same, uh, on the same you know, levels as, as, as Minister Farrakhan, but... I think this is Facebook looking for some level of equilibrium. Uh, you know, you got to think about this, put, put in a further perspective. Um, this time last year, Facebook was sitting down with folk on the right, you know, about, quote-unquote, conservative censorship. So it's not as if Facebook hasn't um, taken uh, the opportunity or, uh, or, or bended the knee to the to conservative movement and their uh, bemoans. See, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 you're absolutely right that, that Farrakhan's a complex picture, but the lack of a clear and decisive standard, I think, is going to bite them in the end. I agree. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think that, that you can just kind of toss uh, Minister Farrakhan on the pile and call it a day. I mean, yeah. and, and, and at the end of the day, I mean, he's done, and he's a very complex figure, and, yeah. and, and he has advocating for African Americans mm-hmm. and not against white people per se. I mean, yeah. he's not commanding his people to go out and kill. You're, you're you know, right. and I right. think that that part of what Facebook is facing here, I mean, not only in trying to bring some equilibrium here, but their lack of a clear standard, if he decided to sue, I mean, you know, it's well, I mean, I, I, I will say this, even, even if to... he decided to sue, I don't think, you know, the, the First Amendment doesn't apply to private companies. No. Um, but that, but there again, we get the the, the the argument about how powerful things right, and that's become. the piece. Right. It's, how it's, powerful it's, so it's reached the point that yeah, you might you might be a, a private company, but you control so much mm-hmm. of the discourse and so much of this communication landscape. That's why there are people who are saying that a Facebook or a Ute or a Google, Google, they are damn near getting getting close to being a utility. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of talk about that, that. Yeah. regulating them as a yep. utility. So, you know, I just think that, again, from their vantage point, the question is going to be, when do you reach a point where you're, where, like I said, you're so big, but you, but, you, but you still might want to explain why, why somebody actually and got banned. And I think banned, so. Mr. Farrakhan actually mentioned that at, um, what was it? What was it? Uh, uh, St. Sabine in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he mentioned that there. He said, you know, I want everyone to take out their phones. And go Facebook Live. Well, and there you go. And so he literally put Facebook to the test. He's, you know, one to test his limits. And, and they, none of them got removed. But, again, if you don't have those standards in place, if you don't have better practices in place in order for your company to, to go to the next level where you are actually telling people this is why we took you down, then you're going to have everyone, you know, from celebrities, from influencers to are going to be putting Facebook to the test, which ultimately, well, um, like you said I mean, before... It's, it is, it's already happening. Uh, I mean, you know, Facebook itself, you know, it's, it's divided on multiple platforms, but Facebook, the platform, is a dying platform right now. And, you know, Instagram's starting to slow down quite a bit to the point where... So where are you getting where, where, well, 
you can look them up. We're, we're, we're to the point where now they're, they're, they're testing not even having likes and comments uh, on, on content. And so they're looking for creative ways to stay alive. It's WhatsApp that's driving them. Yeah, but who owns WhatsApp? Facebook. Facebook. There you go. <laughs> so I'm like, that's my point. That's my point. I'm just saying, y'all. Uh, okay, folks, uh, let's uh, go to this story here uh, out of uh, California. Uh, hope, uh, let me know if y'all got the video, folks. Uh, Rio Vista Police Department. Uh, in Rio Vista, California, the police department launched an internal investigation after seeing cell phone video that shows an officer body slamming a woman to the ground. Roll the video. And you shouldn't be touching me. Your man has my daughter, and you shouldn't be touching her. Really? Oh, 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 no. Oh, no. Back up. No. Back up. Get him off my daughter. Get him off my daughter. What the f? Are you serious? Are you serious? This happened during a routine traffic stop. In addition to the cell phone video, police re released body cam video. All right, so let's go with the body cam video. Back up, back up, back up, back up. No, no. All right, now, uh, but see, this is one of the things that I keep saying, okay? I want you to roll that again, but here's the piece. You hear the cop say it, don't talk to me like that. Right. I'm sorry. First of all, there's nothing that says a cop can't get cussed out, all right? There's, no, there's actually, nothing. Actually, it's a protective right that you can cuss a cop out. I mean, nothing that says a cop <laughs> cannot get cussed out. Mm -hmm. But to sit here and and so she's watching her daughter get body slammed, and his concern is, don't talk to me that way. Here's the body cam footage again. Back up! Back up! Back up! Back up! Back up! Back up. Now, clearly, we showed you three different videos, and so I guess there was another woman who was in the police car because yeah. it appeared right. to be where well, she's That's in the him. car, or, or, and so I guess she was recording, and there was a police computer there, yeah. and you see one of the guns there. Uh, and uh, Teresa, this this is just the craziness where, okay, it's not like this woman is his size. Right. You 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 mean tell me that even if you're saying okay she's resisting, you don't have to body slam her in order to handcuff her. It's disgraceful. It is is purely. Because um, we played it, you jumped. I was disgusted. Well, one, I, well, I felt like I was in it, you know, like because it can happen to any of us at any time. Um, she's getting pulled over for a traffic stop. I could be pulled over just for cross, jaywalking across the street, right? And the same situation could have happened. Gratefully, no guns were pulled. Um, but that's... Small uh, favor. Small, I mean, I mean yeah. you know. Um, but obviously, there, there needs to be, I think, and I've always said this since the beginning, a departmental uh, training 
uh, where training and consequences where, you know, if, if situations like this happen, then it needs to be some sort of, I, I don't know, take away from their pension or something so they can get the understanding that this is not allowed. I'll let you go, John. No, well, I'm just saying that training is, is, is a key, right? And we have seen this before. How many times? Right. When I saw this, I was like, okay, stack this one with the other ones. I mean, just put it over yeah. here. But the, the, the problem, you put your finger on it, Teresa, is that, is that training is, is not where it should be. I mean, anytime a situation with a woman who is clearly half his size mm -hmm. gets out of control, you are not poorly, you are, you are poorly trained, and you're not handling the situation I don't think the way it's you training. need to. I don't, it's absolutely I don't think it's training. I think there's, there are people that are police officers, should not be police officers. When you have situations like this, yes. it should be, right. I mean, I'll say this, I'm at the point where this needs to be a 2020 issue. I mean, it's, it should be put on the table that one part of the first 100 days of the next Congress coming out with the new president is actual policing, federal policing reform with federal mandates with DOJ dollars attached to okay, them. I'm sorry, you, you do know who's in the White House. I know, well, I, said, say, I said after the next after president. With the next president. With the next president. Got to but, make but, sure. But, 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 well, the next Democratic president. Next time, well, well, hopefully Kamala Harris. Because you ain't getting a damn thing but, from the Republicans. But, but go the, ahead. But the thing is this. The thing is this. The one constant in all of these situations is police interaction that did not have to happen. There has to be a transformation right. in this country of what happens with police. There needs to be there, there's routine. There should be no such thing as a routine traffic stop. You know, I think I think I think the scope of what police should be able to stop before needs to be extremely narrowed down. No Got more. It. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's something. It's, it's, you, you have you have you have broken tail lights, trapping you know the blinkers turning into full-on body slams and death. But see, it goes back to mm. training again because yeah. they are stopping these people for a very clear and specific reason. And, and they're stopping them because they look the way they think somebody who who is suspicious looks. I right? think it's training and it's vetting. Because the reality is, you're right. There are some thuggish cops mm -hmm. who have no business being on the force, right. and they get off on this, and they know with a badge and a gun, they have license to do that. Again, Final comment. And again and again and again, because you have small departments like this, where you have a situation like this, internal investigation, maybe they do a serious job, mm -hmm. maybe they don't, one way or the other, that that uniformed officer can go someplace else and do the you same thing. You gotta pull a license exactly. to police. Exactly. There needs to be a federal database of, of bad cops. But wait for that. The Department of Justice tomorrow can start a federal database of cops that have been convicted, cops that have been involved in violence. Not this one. Don't hold Not this one. But the next one. Not even the next one. I mean, the culture is too entrenched. You got You have. You have to make it an issue. But the problem is, when you have politicians who want the endorsements of police there unions, you go. that's what you got going. Going to a break. We come back. American Workers segment. What the hell is wrong with Delta Airlines? That's next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. <laughs> you want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. Hey, fam, I'm inviting you to come out swinging and join me for a day of golf at the University for Parents Golf Tournament on Saturday, June 22nd in Southwest Atlanta's Wolf Creek Golf Course. It's a golf tournament with a purpose, a fundraiser for the University for Parents, a program designed to empower parent learners through education, inspiration, and support. And when you empower the parents, you empower the children too. The location of the tournament 
is 3000 Union Road, and the shotgun start time is 9 a.m. To register, please go to www.u4parents.org, letter u4parents.org. For more information, be sure to call 770-316-3487. I hope to see you there. All right, folks, let's talk about, uh, again, uh, some craziness by a company, an airline for our American Worker segment. And, of course, look at Ask Me. They are the sponsor of this segment. So check this out. Delta Airlines sent out flyers encouraging their employees to spend their money on a gaming console instead of union dues. Yeah, Delta has a website called Don't Risk It, Don't Sign It, that advises employees against signing their union card. Do we have the poster? This is the poster they actually made, y'all. They spent money on this poster. Union dues cost around $700 a year. Uh, and it says uh, a new video game system with the latest hit, Sounds Like Fun, put your money towards that instead of paying dues to the union. Delta should smack the hell out of the dumbass <laughs> who literally thought of this, who used money to print it, and then post it. Or, or, or who hired the PR firm that, that did that work. Nah, that looks internal. I don't that, think that's nah, a PR that, firm. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's somebody that's out of touch with the culture right there. There are a lot of somebody things you can spend 700 bucks to, uh, other than a, but, but, a, a, okay, but, a brand game. But, but, to, but, but to, you're, you're saying, well, now, hold on, wait a minute. So you want me to not pay my union dues and your idea is a gaming console when the people who are in a union or trying to get pay increases or healthcare increases, and you're saying, yeah, just, just play video games. It's ridiculous. It's absurd, man. I mean, and the fact that, 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 that somebody did think it up and that it got green-lighted, I mean, never mind who came up with it. Whoever green-lighted that thing, it just, I mean, and, and it's all of, of a part, right? I mean, corporations have been attacking unions for years. I mean, the American uh, level of union membership has gone down from 30s, some odd, in the 1970s to about 5% now and further declining. But what people don't really understand, what African-American unions workers kind of get, but needs to be more brought out to the fore, is this is how we made the middle class, yeah. right? This is how, how, how my parents got into the middle because of a union. You know, my, my, my daughter's going to college because of a union. You know, and, and to, to, to be as, as, as insensitive and frivolous to put it on a poster and suggest you get a game, it's, it's mind-boggling. It was war. This is yeah. war. It's war. There, there are no rules in war. It, it, it's, it's give me every advantage possible. And if I'm Delta and I look at my, uh, my baggage handler and the folk on the ground and, you know, the average, you know, a male average age of 18 to 30 or whatnot, I, mean, I can't put on the poster board, oh, hey, go spend 700 bucks at a strip club. What's the next best thing? Go spend 700 bucks on your, on your Xbox, PlayStation, Madden, and 2K. It, it, it's war. It keeps the dollars out of the union. It keeps folks from signing up for the union, which then weakens the union hand when coming up and negotiating against Delta. But see, what also is interesting is, like, it's just bald, right? Yeah. I mean, before it was a little subtle. Yeah. <laughs> now it's just like, but that's don't buy the union. It's war. Yeah, it is, it but is but war. war. It's, it's not, it's not the, a cold war. It's a no, hot war. It's, it's, a, it's a hot uh, war. That's what well, the, the culture has evolved but, to such a point that... But, but it's nuts. It's just it nuts. It is nuts. <laughs> speaking of war, speaking of war, the continuing war by the right when it comes to abortion uh, in this country, the Alabama Senate folks postponed a vote on what would be the country's most restrictive 
abortion ban. It removes an amendment that would allow exceptions in the case of rape or incest. But it also, what it would do is, it would literally cause for a woman to be in prison up to 99 years in prison for having an abortion. Now, chaos broke out on the Senate floor in Alabama when the rape and incest exemption was removed without a roll call vote. Senate Majority Leader Bobby Singleton shut the whole thing down. The eventual goal is, of course, to challenge Roe v. Wade in the Supreme Court. Y'all, this actually happened on the Alabama Senate. Watch this absolute abuse of power. All those in favor say aye. No, no, Any ho, opposed? Ho, 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 motion passes. Ho, ho. Committee Mr. amendment Chairman, is tabled. Mr. Chairman, Mr. President, there was no motion. There was no motion. There was a motion. There he was made no a motion. motion. He didn't even make a motion, Mr. President. Hold on, sir, he did me. not make a motion. He made a motion to table. He did not table. make a motion. There was hey. no motion for another side. No. He we made a motion to table. Heck no. He didn't even make a motion. He did not make a motion. He made a motion to table. What was the motion made? The motion was made. You just Excuse me, Senator Chambliss, no you're recognized. I don't care what the chair is about. You, he did not make a motion. In response hey. to the number of abortions no, that have no, been no, 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 performed this year versus the rape and incest. Mr. President. He did not make a motion. There are 325,000 um, abortions that have been performed this year. Now, in Georgia, the governor has signed a heartbeat bill that also bans an abortion after six weeks. Uh, many folks have been opposing that. A lot of women who support, who are pro-choice, saying that, well, first of all, that means that if you're a woman and you're two weeks late from your period and you discover you're pregnant, six weeks has passed. Mm -hmm. uh, three Hollywood production companies, they've announced, uh, David Simon, of course, uh, the creator of The Wire, uh, and two others, they've announced they will not be doing any movie productions in Georgia. Actress Elisa Milano uh, was in Georgia protesting this bill before it was actually passed and signed into law, and many other Hollywood folks as well. Georgia makes a lot of money each year off of Hollywood productions. The question is, uh, will it have an impact? Uh, go to our panel here. The Alabama governor has been very clear. He wants this law in Alabama passed. The right wants the Georgia bill passed because they want this case to go to the Supreme Court yep. and for this Supreme Court to rule on Roe v. Wade. Yep. That's what this is all about. This is, this is the holy grail. The two things that white conservative evangelicals care most about are getting rid of Roe v. Wade and getting rid of same-sex marriage. That's been their focus. That's why they don't care what Donald Trump does. That's why they're packing ju uh, justices uh, on the Supreme Court. That's why they're packing the federal bench. Yep. Uh, they've just, just today, for the fourth time this, in history, and all this year, the Senate has moved federal judges where both home state senators said, uh, no. Uh, uh, said no to it. And all four have happened this year. They don't care. They are in a hurry to put as many far-right federal judges in order to affirm these laws. Yeah, the thing is this, um, and, and you know, I have some folk already questioning my uh, conservative credentials, but the thing is this, I think day one of the next Congress for the new pre Democrat president, there needs to be an expansion of the Supreme Court, day one. These cases aren't going to make it to the Supreme Court within the next two years. It's just the way the court's set up. Take maybe 80 cases a year or something like that. These cases aren't going to be in the next batch. So which means they're going to get pushed into 2021. On day one, whoever's Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, whoever, 
day one, the first thing after after you after the, the cabinets uh, approved and confirmed, the very next thing you need to throw another five, six, seven justices up there. The Constitution does not limit our Supreme Court. You go from nine, nine to fourteen. You go to nine, fourteen, nine to sixteen, nine to twenty. I don't care. But I think that when it comes to the interests of women, the interests of black people, the interests of the future majority of this country, you need a Supreme Court up there that, that's going to protect those interests. Uh, Teresa, again, this is all white conservative evangelicals care about. Yeah, it is. And um, kudos to uh, that elected official who, who actually spoke out. And I'm glad that, obviously, it was on camera, you know, because more, more of this needs to be shown to the forefront. First of all, before you continue, there are only four women who are in the Alabama Senate. Mm -hmm. They're all Democrats. So on the Republican side, there are no Republican women on, in the Alabama Senate. And so when these decisions are made, as such, there is, there's no room for... There are um, white men making the decisions. Yes. Again, there's All no pro-choice. There's no pro-choice, there's no decisions, there's no consideration. <laughs> right, and they probably do uh, benefit from abortion. I mean, you just had a doctor there on, sta on the stand saying, you know, I performed X amount of abortions. Then just change your profession, become a gynecologist. You know, but I mean, but... Uh, for him to kind of just be, you know, like that was kind of like their focal point uh, as it relates to the other conversations when it passed. I think, you know, that this was a, a telling moment. And now it's like, okay, so now what other states going to do um, seeing this injustice happen? Uh, Joseph, money, 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 money. If you're Georgia and all of a sudden you start losing billions of dollars because Hollywood pulls out, the question then becomes, uh, will you see... Uh, that pressure applied to other companies saying don't relocate uh, your uh, industries there. The question then becomes, of the industries that are already there, will people be uh, bold enough to say fine, start boycotting those products? Uh, you got a, Coca -Cola, a can of Coca-Cola oh, sitting right there. Yep. I mean, look, I mean, this is really what you're going to. Uh, but again, this is, the, this is the battle because since Roe v. Wade was decided, this has been the one thing that white conservative evangelicals this is what they care about the most, and they have a guy in the White House who, frankly, supported uh, abortion rights, who was pro-choice, but now he doesn't give a damn, and he's giving them whatever they want. That was then, this is now, right? And, and let's not forget the, the confirmation hearings for Justice Neil Gorsuch and Justice Brett Kavanaugh were very much centered tacitly and sometimes openly yeah. on abortion, yeah. right? This is what they're there for. And, it's and, all they're and there for. It's yeah. all they're there for. And, and, and two things that occurred to me when I, when I was seeing that tape. The first was North Carolina, which took a really big hit over the bathroom bill, brought the, the, the state basically economic pain, you know, in a major way. Same thing in Indiana. When Pence tried to sign a bathroom right. bill, they passed it. Folks but, said, we're going to pull our business. They had to modify it. NCAA, exactly. And uh, North Carolina lost the Super Bowl, and it lost a number. I think NBA All-Star All game as well. And, exactly. And, and, so yep. there is some economic pain coming George's way, right? That's the first thing I thought about. The second thing I thought about was Arkansas. You play, you rolled a tape maybe three or four months ago about the uh, senator who stood up against the um, uh, Stand Your Ground bill. Just gave them hell. Black woman just gave them hell, said, y'all don't know what you're talking about. Yep. Black men are going to die because of this. She stood up. She stood firm. And we have another example here. The question is, are they going to get the support they need? These black people kind of see what's going on. Yeah. Are they going to get the support that they need? And in calling them out, is more pressure going to be applied to these lawmakers who try to do these things in the first place? All right. Well, folks, we'll see exactly what happens there. All right, folks, earlier today, I sat down with a former Tallahassee mayor and gubernatorial candidate, Andrew Gillum. We talked about the issue of voting. Also, again, Florida's Amendment 4 and his plan to register one million folks 
for 2020, we also talked about what Democrats should be doing to specifically, those running for president, to specifically target black men. Here is our conversation. All right, Andrew Gillum, uh, lots of things happening in Florida. We'll talk about voting, but I want to first deal with um, this whole issue of uh, Amendment 4. I, I, I kept telling everybody. I told Desmond Mead. I told Sheena. I said, I do not trust Republicans in Florida. I do not believe that they are going to just easily allow uh, those 1.4 million folks to get registered. And it's no shock that we're seeing Republicans uh, push forth this bill. And, of course, uh, Ron DeSantis, the guy who you ran against, said he is going to sign it. They do not want to accept the will of the voters when it comes to extending voting rights to formerly incarcerated. Yeah, I mean, uh, Roland, they're doing exactly what we expected they would be doing. And, you know, with all due respect to all those who held out hope that Republicans would do the right thing and lavished praise on uh, uh, DeSantis when he first came in because he didn't look as bad as they thought he was going to be, well, I always kept telling people when they were asking, well, how do you think the governor's doing so far? I said, it's too early to tell. My grandmama used to say the proof is in the eating of the pudding, not in the pudding itself. So he's got to make his way through a legislative session. Uh, we don't know what kind of bills are going to end up on his desk, and we certainly don't know what they're, what they're going to do with them, right? So everything from now arming teachers to ripping away money from the public education system to the shredding, in my opinion, of Amendment 4 by adding what is equivalent to what I believe is a poll tax, mm -hmm. uh, by adding fines, fees, restitutions as a condition of being able to be able to get out there and register to have your rights again. Now, Roland, in the state of Florida, in order to make it onto the ballot, a constitutional amendment to make it onto the ballot, the language must be approved by the Florida Supreme Court. And they go meticulously through every line, uh, every sentence, making sure the intent is extremely clear to the voter, making sure that there's only a single issue. Well, in this case, they went through that process and Roland, nowhere in the language was there a requirement for court fines and fees to be added as a condition in order to have your rights restored. Uh, so the Republicans wanting to keep that 1.4 million people from being added to the rolls uh, basically added what is equivalent to a poll tax. And if we are to believe the Brennan Center for Justice's report, which basically said that when those fees and fines are added as a condition for reentry into society, that only 3% 3 of those uh, former felons are actually going to be able to meet that barrier. So if, if those numbers are to be imposed on Florida's 1.4 million, you're talking about 97% of the people uh, basically not being able to participate in the process. And that's a nullification of Amendment 4. Amendment 4 got more votes than I got. It got more votes than the governor got. It got 65% support of the people of the state of Florida. And yet, uh, 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 in broad daylight, they have undermined the will of the voters adding a poll tax, which we got rid of in the 1800s. What is no shock because if you look at Utah, if you look at Wyoming, you look at, I think, uh, Montana, if you look at Michigan, uh, there are multiple states where there have been voter initiatives, where the Missouri, where the voters have passed initiatives and yeah. Republican state legislatures and governors have said, we don't care, we're going to undo what you, the voters, actually just voted for. Yeah, listen, man, this is naked politics. Uh, this session in Florida, and, and we've seen this all over the country, you saw it after the Democrats won in uh, Wisconsin and Michigan, the lame duck Republican legislatures, 
then worked overtime to undermine people's access to the ballot box. This is only about power. It's not about democracy. It's not about the Constitution. It's not about enforcing the will of the voters. This is about how do you concentrate as much power as you can, especially before the decennial census and the redistricting and the redrawing of lines so that you can maintain political power uh, for as long as you possibly can, right? So that's what they're yep. doing. Let's not make any bones or mistakes about it. And what we've got to be doing is being equally, frankly, vicious about our defense of the Constitution, which is why it is my hope. Uh, one, I'm holding out hope, maybe Governor DeSantis and some of his friends may be able to prevail on him, uh, that this is not in the best interests of the state of Florida and maybe even his own political interests. Recall, Roland, that maybe 60, upwards of 60 percent of these folks are white people. Um, all of these folks that are getting their rights back are not necessarily going to be Democrats. We don't know that yet. We are in favor of it because it's the right thing to do. That's why Democrats are in favor of it. But what they're saying, because after January 8th and they saw that the surge of people registering were black men, Black men coming out of supervisors of elections office saying, for the first time in my life, I feel seen. For the first time in my life, I feel heard. And it terrified them. And so for whatever gain they could possibly get from reenfranchising those people, they don't want to take the risk of also us adding new people uh, uh, to the role that can create an X factor and throw in jeopardy their, their majorities. Well, this is why I, I have been trying uh, to make this argument to civil rights groups and others that we have to expand this conversation when we talk about voting rights. I believe, and look, rightfully so, fully understanding Voting Rights Act 1965, uh, understanding the impact uh, at how, where African Americans have stood on this whole issue of voting rights. But what we are seeing, we're seeing Republican state legislatures, Republican governors, Republicans in the House and the Senate, Republican presidents. What they're doing is, they are even denying voting rights to white Americans. You talked about Wisconsin, uh, where you had, in 2016, a federal judge called in Governor Scott Walker's office and said, the voter ID was approved by the Obama Department of Justice. Why are you dragging your feet in the issuing of voter IDs? Then you have, in these other states, when it comes to gerrymandering as well, there was a clerk in Wisconsin who said, she purposely moved an early voting location off of a college campus, largely white students, because too many of them were voting Democrat. Moved right. it to an out-of-the-way location with a small parking lot, hard to get to. What we're seeing is young white voters disenfranchised. We're seeing elderly voters disenfranchised. And so we've got to issue the clarion call to white folks. This ain't Absolutely. just about us. That's you right. are also getting screwed, and you better be in this fight. In fact, the Ohio law that went to the Supreme Court that purged the list uh, where a guy said he was taken off the list because he had not voted in a couple of cycles, that was a white man who filed that lawsuit. And so we, so I think even with Amendment 4, we got to say to white folks, hey, oh. black folks have been fighting this thing. Y'all getting screwed, too. Y'all got yeah. to get in this fight. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that, Roland. I testified earlier this week at a field hearing that Chairwoman uh, Marsha Fudge held down in, in Broward County at the start of the week. And Congressman Alcee Hastings was there. And, I mean, the man is the dean of the Florida legislate, of, of the Florida delegation and knows well these tactics. He said in front of that committee room, listen, black people for 200 years, count add to it 400 uh, years, have had to deal with these kinds of, you know, uh, 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 struggle after struggle, suppression, uh, marginalization being discounted in the process, he said, we're, we're going to persist. 
But this impacts also white voters, as you have already indicated. Do you know that it was Parkland, Florida, a pretty white area of the state of Florida, obviously where the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting took place. It was the 18 to 25-year-olds whose vote rejection rate was higher than any other area in the state. These were young white voters who had, you know, the, the, the suppressive tactics of the right come down on them. Mm -hmm. It is the Florida legislature. It was us uh, uh, citizens in the state of Florida who had to take this issue to the courts because they refused to put uh, polling places on college campuses, just refused to do it. So we had to win that battle in the courts. Your argument is completely correct. And that is, is that this is, while black people are obviously over uh, impacted because of our overrepresentation by share of the population uh, in the criminal justice system. We're 11% of the population in Florida, yet we're 20 plus percent of those who are incarcerated. We know that we're disproportionately impacted, but this, uh, the consequences of this kind of suppression impacts uh, more than just us. And the broader we can build this coalition, which is why I give credit to Desmond and to Sheena and to the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, because they did try to uh, span outward to bring more people into this process. That's how 65% of people in the state of Florida are passed this amendment because many of them have relatives, husbands, families uh, that are impacted uh, 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 by, the, by the effects of Amendment 4. But what the legislature and the governor are telling us is that they don't want any X factors in this process, that they're willing to do whatever they can to suppress whomever they need to suppress in order to maintain their majorities, their narrow majorities. Let, let's talk about the initiative that you are launching in Florida. Uh, it's uh, somewhat similar to what Stacey Abrams did in Georgia. Uh, so explain to folks exactly uh, what this is and the impact you want to have, not just on the 2020 presidential race, but what people need to understand uh, those state representatives, state Senate races, yes. uh, those school district races. Republicans have a supermajority in Florida, largely because of gerrymandering. And so talk about that initiative. Yeah, so so to your last point, I want to pick up on this. The, the majorities that Republicans hold in the House and in the Senate and the Florida legislature don't make sense when you consider what happened in the last gubernatorial in U.S. Senate race. Bill Nelson lost his seat by 10,000 votes out of 8.3 million votes cast. My race for governor came down to 33,000 votes out of 8.3 million votes cast. Now, how is it that you can have margins that are within 0.4% difference and below, yet the Republican legislature, legislature have 70, you know, uh, of the House members of 120 legislature are Republicans? Uh, it just doesn't make sense. That is a function of mm -hmm. the kind of, of, of work that Attorney General Holder uh, is leading right now around this redistricting effort. These are, these are elected officials choosing their voters rather than the voters choosing their elected officials. And so coming off of my race, where again, uh, uh, 33,000 vote difference with 85,000 votes that didn't get counted, ballots rejected over the state of Florida because of signature mismatch, where the W in your signature didn't match the W in your signature from a year ago, and an untrained uh, person looks at your signature and decides that they're going to invalidate your constitutional right uh, uh, based off of that, right? Federal judges were very clear in the in, in the recount process that Florida needed to change that law and that it needed to get a cure process in place that was universal across the state of Florida. So they've already got the law on their side, right? Now what we've got to do in Florida is we've got to get back to our basics. We've got to get back into our communities, back into our neighborhoods, mm -hmm. talking mm -hmm. to our voters 
uh, further out than six weeks before an election so that they know that we're there with them in election cycles and outside of election cycles. And so what we've committed to is registering one million uh, voters in the state of Florida. Now, without the 1.4 million former felons returning citizens, we got four million eligible unregistered voters in the state of Florida. Four million? Right? Four million eligible unregistered in the state of Florida, right? And so you add to that the returning citizens, we got a lot of runway uh, uh, for right. getting our numbers up. When Barack Obama was on the ballot in Florida in 2008, Democrats had a registration advantage over Republicans of over 700,000 more registered Ds than ours. When I was on the ballot 10 years later, that registration advantage has shrank to, uh, to around 250,000. Democratic registration advantage. And at the same time, white 65 and older white voters migrating into the state shifted who votes and the type of vote, uh, a voter that's showing up in our election, a more conservative voter, more Midwestern voters. So when Obama was on the ballot in, in, in 2008, 65 and older white voters represented 21% of the total vote share. And my election, white voters 65 and older represented 35% mm. of the total vote share. So we've had a precipitous decline in our registration and at the same time an increase in, in, in older white, more conservative voters showing up in the process. And in spite of all of that and all of the, 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 the built-in structural uh, electoral uh, disadvantages that we had, we still got closer than we did in 24 years in the race for governor. So the, the best thing that I could do uh, uh, in, mm -hmm. this, in this case, Roland, was to put my energy effort apparatus, the 77,000 volunteers that worked on behalf of my campaign, the $55 million that was spent trying to make me a household name across the state of Florida, and the 33,000 vote difference that was had, and the 4 million people who went out and vote for us, to get them energized around this effort around registering and engaging more voters and more of our voters. But registering is one thing, turnout is another. And so okay. uh, I think I, I cite this uh, all the time. The Tallahassee Democrat had a story that showed how Ron DeSantis won over you. Yeah. And the reality is, and they broke it down by county, you talk about those older white voters. The reality is, older voters, whether they are white, whether they are black or Latino, they vote more than anybody else. They are going to vote. It's trying to get those folks who are 18 to 49 to understand the power of voting. And when you look at that particular chart, I would dare say, and I was trying to pull it up while, while you were talking, the first 12 counties... Red, yep. 70 plus percent, 69, 68. When you yep. got down to Miami-Dade and Broward, 57. 56. And, I, and, I, and I, I have said numerous times, had Miami-Dade and Broward turned mm -hmm. out at 70%, you're the governor. It's all over, but you're right. So listen, we know that everybody who's registered to vote doesn't necessarily vote, but it certainly helps to have more marbles on the table so that if a few roll off, it doesn't cost you the whole election. And so my only point was, and by the way, I, I want to give credit to many of the groups that were out there doing this work. We were expected to have 6.1 million people vote in this gubernatorial election if they kept track of what the previous trends of every four-year gubernatorial cycles were like. Well, in this race, we came close to presidential levels. We came close to the same numbers Obama turned out in 2008. We had 8.3 million people vote, and I think he may have had 8.6 million people. So we reached presidential level turnout in the midterm election, a gubernatorial race. More than 2 million more voters than were expected. Young voters doubled their numbers. Black voters, for the first time in the history of this state, voted their share of the population. The problem is, let's, let's, let's get really uh, 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 granular about right, this. Right, right. 
in districts where I, in precincts where I won 65% of the vote or more, compared to precincts where DeSantis won 65% of the vote or more, his precincts turned out 10 points higher than my precincts. So even in communities where we have a propensity for voting and the numbers exist there, we still didn't maximize the turnout. We didn't have to close a 10-point gap in those areas. We needed a two-point gap closing and, in those and, areas. And, and that's why and that's why I think we're talking about, talking about being as granular. We, we, earlier you talked about uh, precinct by precinct. I think what happens is a lot of people get consumed by, oh, young voter turnout was this or black voter turnout was this. It's like, no, no, it's not the percentage. It's the numbers. Yes. It's the people who were voting. What is, how many are you turning out? And, and you have to go precinct by precinct. You have to say, okay, in this precinct, there are 700 registered voters. How many of the 700 voted? If that's, that's right. one of your areas, it doesn't matter if that's you right. got 65, 35, 70, 30, 80, 20 in that precinct. If they had 700 registered voters and only 300 yeah. voted, it doesn't matter if you got 70 of the 300, what you needed was 70 of 500 That's or right. 550. That's right. And Roland, so so we're, we're now at the level that we're talking with regard to the effort that we're undertaking. The reason I say register, engage, and win as the, as the motto for this effort is because I recognize that registration is just the beginning of the conversation, right. not the end of the conversation. The more important thing is, is that usually we're not having this conversation, you know, a, a year and a half out from the election. Right. We're in the race to do this in the final month. Right. And these people ain't heard from us. They haven't seen us in yep. that period of time. And so what I'm trying to convince national donors and donors in my state is we're going to spend a billion dollars trying to beat, you know, Trump. This, yep. this election cycle, we're going to spend that much money. Wouldn't it be smarter to spend early to do the difficult work of democracy uh, in, a, in, a, in a time frame that respects the voter, uh, that doesn't expect them to turn tricks at the last minute, uh, 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 after a nominee has been selected when you haven't talked to them over that period of time. Yep. So we've engaged now over 30 groups on the ground who are our partners in this work, who are committed to deeper level engagement. For every one of those million voters that we bring into our database, we're going to track those folks. We're going to geo-target them. When they open up their social media, they're going to see ads from us that are harder-hitting ads. It's why my focus has been on raising 501c4 dollars and not just c3 dollars right because time is out for going into the latin community and talking about it's your civic right and obligation to register to vote when trump is out there telling them we're going to put troops on maduro yep. and that's going to bring down the regime and speaking very very plainly and politically to them about why it is it is in their interest to vote for him we've got to be able to raise the kind of money that allows us to speak politically hardcore so while donald trump is out there sable rattling for Venezuelans, he has yet to extend TPS to Venezuelans who are fleeing the Maduro regime coming into Florida. So if he means to protect you, then let's hold him accountable for doing that. But who's going to tell that story? Who's going to communicate right. with the voters after we, we register them to let them know that this guy is not for you? He's, he's for making you a prop in his rally, but he's not doing, he's not complimenting that with the public policy that makes you whole, that sees you, that will represent and respect you when they hold office. So uh, the totality of this work is registration, engagement, and then we turn him out to win, not just for 2020, right. but beyond 2020. I want to run this by you. There was a nine-point gap between black women and black men who voted for Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. But there was a nine-point gap
between black men and black women who voted for Obama and Mitt Romney. And what I've said to the, uh, granted, Democrats, look, they need black votes. Bottom line is they need black votes, just like Republicans need white conservative evangelical votes. And so I'm saying that because folks want to always say, oh, black folks, why y'all uh, just give your vote away? Well, guess what? White conservative evangelicals don't act like that they're voting their interests. Black people are voting their interests as well. That's right. But I've said this to several presidential candidates. You should be holding black male specific town halls. I said you should be having discussions because, see, here's the deal. We're two black men talking. I totally understand all the conversation about black girl magic and the impact of black women. But when Doug Jones ran in Alabama, he got a lot of black men who voted. And it wasn't just black women who voted. And we talk about the same thing. Mike, S Mike Espy, when he ran uh, in Mississippi, black men voting as well. And so I do not disagree with the targeting of black women. But what I will say to a candidate, they should be saying, what is it about black men that we're not getting and why there is a gap? Your thoughts on that? Yeah, listen, Roland, you, you won't get an argument from me on that. All due respect. To, 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 to the tremendous electoral power of black women. Uh, black men also have a tremendous electoral power when you organize and you engage us and you talk to us about the issues that matter most to us. Talk to us about the wage gap that exists for us. Talk to about us about what it means to get access to small business loans that allows us to turn our dreams of owning a business into a reality. Talk to us about the, the, the over uh, uh, prosecution rates in our community and the way in which so many of us are targeted. Uh, we do have to begin to engage this thing. And that's why I have never bought, and if I had advice to any of them uh, running for president who are avoiding having a conversation around what your black agenda looks like, I would ask them to revisit that and to do it in a hurry. This idea that the rising tide lifts all boats, when we know that if that were true, the kind of... Uh, 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 disproportionate um, um, uh, inequality that we see in the system wouldn't exist is the, if the riding tide truly lift all boats. Some of those boats are tethered to the ground. And many of those boats that are tethered to the ground uh, are holding black men and black women in them. And so how is it that we're going to structure a system that sees them and that reflects the needs of those communities? And if we, uh, I just saw they did in Texas, your home, uh, yep. on your stomping ground, uh, the, the women of color. Um, uh, yeah, uh, President's reform. Forum that they did. I completely agree with you. We ought to put our energy, and you ought to be the moderator for it, by the way, uh, into, into holding the same kind of forum that addresses more directly and distinctly the issues that confront the issues of, of, of the black male experience in America. And I think we can begin to close that gap. Again, the other side doesn't have to win our votes. That's why, in my friend's timelines, I saw the super predator comments. I saw uh, uh, the comment of Bill Clinton made referring to Obama's uh, 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 campaign in, in South Carolina yep. and the idea of it as a fantasy. Those things were re the crime bill. All of that was replayed on rotation. And a lot of brothers who I know and I went to school with were reposting. I was like, man, where is this coming from? So when we talk about Russian bots and their uh, uh, infiltration here, they had a very distinct plan. Yep. They didn't necessarily believe that they could convince those voters to vote Republican necessarily, but there was a suppression effort. If we can keep those votes down, keep those from going toward yep. the Democratic side, we don't got to win them. Uh, but the truth is, we got to lose them less. 
And that means keeping some of us out of the arena. If we do that, I think it could could play a very, very tremendous role in, 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 in helping to motivate more men of color to participate. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Andrew, when it comes to this issue of voting and mobilization, uh, it is about fighting, is understanding public policy. And what I keep telling people, uh, I've never self-identified as a Democrat or Republican. I look at issues, and the reality is when you look at the issues that are being driven by Donald Trump, driven by Republican state legislatures. Uh, it has a negative impact on African-Americans. Uh, and, and I'll say to Republicans, that's why you're not going to get black votes. But we've also got to just connect the dots to people to get them to understand how all these things are interrelated and how yep. it impacts their life as opposed to, as opposed to them saying, oh, I don't really, this really doesn't matter to me when in fact every single decision impacts uh, them uh, in, in a unique way. Totally Totally agree. And, and Roland, one of the reasons why we're trying to really um, ground this effort at the local level is because as, as, as much as we want to motivate people around the presidential politics, for some of the people we have to move, we got to move them on the fact that they're dealing with police brutality on in their neighborhood, right. on, on their street. Uh, that they're dealing with a mayor that they disagree with who doesn't necessarily reflect them. They're dealing with a school board. Uh, they're dealing with a county commission. And so our ability to help um, relate voting to how it changes and impacts on people's everyday lives is critically important. I carried Sanford, and we flipped a lot of that area largely because there was a black woman for the first time running for mayor in Sanford, Florida, in an area that got woke up after Trayvon Martin. And, and the combination of me at the top of the ticket for governor and a woman running for, for mayor in that area helped to really transform and created the kind of energy that was necessary. So the, the, the local piece of it, we got to ground this at a level that people can see their very lives reflected in the issues that are being decided. They already know Donald Trump is uniquely unqualified for his job. They, but, but the truth is, is they felt like they were doing bad before him. They're doing bad through him. And they don't necessarily believe that they're going to do better uh, whichever way it goes, Democrat or Republican on the other side. So we've got to now convince them that that, that is not true uh, and that we got the policies to answer those questions for them. All right. Andrew Gillen, I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you, brother. Wishing you well, man. Keep the voice loud. Will do. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 